Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this week's lesson is for February 17th through the 23rd. And this week's lesson is titled Wisdom for Righteous Living. And this is going to be a really, really nice lesson. I think a lot of the information is going to come out of this. We're all pretty much aware of already, but I love how it goes into a little bit more detail to open our minds and open our eyes to some new new ways of looking at some of these passages. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and bow our heads and say a quick prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being in our lives and showing us a way that we need to live, Lord. We thank you for this, and we ask that you be with our listeners, that you open your minds and hearts with your Holy Spirit, and that the words that are expressed today and the the ideas that are shared are yours and not mine, and that the, the information that leaves my lips be blessed by you and present it to them to open them up to you. Lord, we thank you, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at this week's lesson. Now, again, it is Wisdom for Righteous Living. And we're going to go ahead and start with the memory verse, or the memory text for this week. And it's found in Psalms 90, verse 12. And it says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And in the first lesson for the Sabbath, it says, As we have seen, God's grace provides for the forgiveness of sin, and it creates a new heart in the repentant sinner who now lives by faith. God's word also provides provides instructions for righteous living, which will be found in Psalms 119, verses 9 through 16. Keeping God's law is by no means a legalistic observance of rules that life, or but life in an intimate relationship with God, a life full of blessings. Here it's saying that there are two thoughts of living and doing what we need to do in the eyes of God. And one people will say, well, it's legalistic. You're only doing this because these are laws. These are rules that God put in place for you to follow. But on the other side, these are more than just rules. These are more than just laws that God has put out there. These are ways for us to build a strong relationship with our creator. Continuing, it says, however, the life of the righteous person is not without temptations. Sometimes the righteous can be tempted by the cunning nature of sin and even fall to that temptation. God allows times of testing to let his children's faithfulness and unfaithfulness be clearly revealed. If God's children heed God's instruction and admonishment, admonishment, sorry, <laughs> their faith can be purified and their trust in the Lord strengthened. Wisdom for righteous living is gained through the dynamic of life with God amid temptations and challenges. Thus, the prayer that God would teach us in the, to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom reflects on ongoing commitment to walk in faithfulness of the Lord. Now, we've all heard that your days are numbered. We've heard you know, those sayings that... You know, you only have a finite amount of time here on this planet before, you know, you, you expire. Um, it's true. There is only so much time on this world that we have before we depart. Now, in that time, 
you can live out of the world and be part of the world and do the worldly things and completely ignore the blessings that God could provide you if you follow him in faith or you can look up to your creator and know that yes, this life may be short and small and minuscule in the entirety of everything, but God has something planned that is beyond what this life has. That's what this lesson this week's about is where do you line up? How do you line up on this? And I'm telling you, you probably want to be on the side that, you know, that leads you towards God. But looking at Monday or Sunday's lesson, your word I have hidden in my heart. Let's go ahead and I think it's important that, you know, for this one that we do read Psalms 119. This is what a lot of what this week's about is Psalms 119. But let's go ahead and read it. It's verses 1 through 16. And it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all of your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. And when I learn your righteousness or righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With all, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wonder from your commandments, your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now in verses 161 through 168, it continues, it says, Princes, persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because your righteous, righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation. I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I have them exceedingly. And I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Now, I love how this one here starts. It says, The Bible depicts the daily life of faith as a pilgrimage or a walk with God in his path of righteousness. Now, we've all heard before, you know, you can walk down one of two ways. You can go this way down this path, which is probably full of troubles and trials and tribulations. Or you can walk out the path of righteousness, which God has laid out before you. Now, for some, if you have not read The Pilgrim's Progress or seen the video, the animated movie, Pilgrim's Progress, it kind of depicts the same concept, that there is a path that leads you towards the light. Now, you can walk this path and just stay on it and 
you know, it's not guaranteeing that you're not going to have some troubles here and there, but you know, you stay on this path towards this light and there is, there is such a beautiful reward at the end of it. Or you can fall off the path, get stuck, go through all these trials, these tribulations and, you know, things that God does not want you to go through, but it's a choice you make. Now, here it does say life of faith is maintained by walking in the law of the Lord and by walking in the light of continence. Now, these are not two different walks. These are the same walk. When you're walking in the light of the Lord, you are upholding God's law. You are following the Lord's way, as it says here. Now, when it's, it talks about in the, the passage about being undefiled in the way, is another way of saying you're living a righteous life. You're following God's commands. You're following God's laws to the very best of your ability because we do know that, you know, they're, they're tough to follow. We're not perfect creatures. It's hard for us to, to fully stay in the way that we need to stay. Sometimes we are going to fall. We're going to trip. But what's beautiful about this week's lesson is that Despite all that, we can get up, dust ourselves off, and continue the walk. Walking a righteous life is tough. It is a very hard thing to do because sin, as we see throughout this lesson, is always there tempting, always there poking at you, always there prodding at you, trying to get you to falter, trying to get you to to walk away from what is right. Now, when you walk this righteous life, you walk this life, it is a life of sacrifice. You know, it's sacrificing these temptations, these urges, these these pleasures that this world is trying to trick you with, and you're abstaining from those because those will lead you down, not the path of righteousness, but down a path where you will be defiled by them. And, then, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, about keeping God's law, it's not a legalistic thing. This is something that you build upon your heart because God's law shows you the difference between right and wrong. Now, here's a, something that I always find interesting is that human beings naturally have an understanding of what is right and what is wrong when we are, even when we're young. Yeah, sometimes we'll do the wrong thing just to see what happens. But we're, we learn very quickly what is right and what is wrong. Majority of people in this world, a very large majority of people in this world, would never kill another person. Wouldn't think of doing that because they know deep down that is wrong. And even when you hear some people that have committed murder who have killed somebody, the weight of that crime does damage. It does something to you. It changes you in a way because you've committed a very grievous sin. You've broken one of God's commandments. Literally, you you know, you killed somebody. Now, when you look at thou shall not kill, it's not just talking about physically killing somebody, but it's also talking about killing somebody in your heart and your mind. You know, when you look at somebody and you brush them off, 
and you decide in your heart you can never forgive them, you'll always hate them, you're killing them. You're breaking that commandment still. And it does something to you. And it's such a crazy thing to think about of how that affects a person. Even if somebody who isn't a Christian, who isn't in a a monotheist or mono, somebody who only believes in God. I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but it's pretty tough. Um, but even somebody who's like an atheist, surprisingly, if they happen to do something, it's going to stay on them. It's Sin has such a way of torturing you. Even though sometimes the sins seem like they're so great, they're so pleasurable, they're so fun, but in reality, they're torturing you. They're tearing you apart on the inside because you're not, you're not living the life you should be living, a good life, a life walking in the light. It's, it's so, so crazy when you think about it that when you commit a sin, even a, what you would consider to be a small sin or something, you know, all sin is the same level of sin. It's just some people will look at it differently saying, oh, it's small. It's nothing great. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing to really comment on or something because they've, they've learned in their own selves that the only way they can deal with the consequences on their heart and mind of the sin is to try to brush it off as being something small and insignificant that, Oh, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get injured, for instance, you get a small cut at the time you go, Oh yeah, it's a small cut. Yeah. It stings a little bit. It hurts a little bit, but ah, I'm going to let it sit. I'm not going to take care of it. And eventually that, that little cut gets irritated, starts turning red and gets angry at you. You know, and you're like, ah, oh, no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. It, it'll go away in a couple of days. I'll be fine. But eventually, if you don't take care of that sin, that that little cut, it's going to get inf- infected. And next thing you know, you could get seriously hurt or injured or even die from it. And this is what it's saying when you're walking in sin and you're defiling yourself. You're allowing sin to be that little scratch that you're like, ah, it's fine. I'm okay. And you're not dealing with it. You're not getting the healing that you need from God to take care of that sin. Now, as I said before, you know, right here in Psalms 119, 165 says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. The image of stumbling depicts moral failure. As the lamp of the psalmist's feet, God's word protects us from temptations. This is such an important thing for us to remember when we are walking in this life and we're trying to get through all these sins and temptations and issues that the one thing that can protect us and help us avoid these sins, to help us keep from stumbling, is God. His word when we dive into it and we read it and we accept it and we put it in our hearts, protects us. Think about this for a minute. Think about the armor of God. When you are donned in the armor of God, you're, you're protected from the temptations of the world. You're protected from the evils of this world. You know, when you're fighting, you're fighting with, you know, the shield of faith, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, 
which protects your heart. And this is what it's talking about, protecting your heart from the world, from its temptations, that when you put your put yourself to the side and allow God's word to impact you and to change you, you become stronger and you're able to stand against these temptations and be able to resist them. But again, sometimes we fail and that is, that's okay. It's okay to fail. It's how you get back up and start again is what matters. Now, continuing on, it talks about our days being numbered. Now, as I said, this is something I'm very sure we've all, in one way or another, have heard that your days are numbered or you've only got a small time here on this earth to do something. Yeah, it's true. Human existence is literally a speck in all of eternity. Put it this way. You look at a beach. That is the entire existence of the universe, okay? That's from beginning to end. That is everything. Every grain of sand is everything, right? That's the beach. Human existence is one grain of sand on that beach. Think about that. In the light of all things, it's a sand, little piece of, you know, it's a little tiny stone in that. But think about this too. Yeah, it may be small, but it's important. It's such a crucial part of all of that. Now, what I'm talking about, the entire beach being the beginning to the end, all of everything, that is the existence of God, okay? God is in so many things, so many times, so many ways that it's impossible for us to comprehend that entire existence, that light of eternity. I like how it says here, a thousand years in God's sight is like a watch in the night, which lasts three or four hours. Compared to divine time, a human lifetime flies away. The strongest among humans are analogs to the weakest among plants. Yet even that short life is filled with labor and sorrow. Even secular people who have no belief in God mourn and lament the shortness of life, especially in contrast to the eternity that's out there and that they know threatens to go away, to go on without them. It's like people have this belief, a lot of people do, not everyone, but some people have this belief that no matter what they do has no impact in this entire universe. We're not going to stop the planet from spinning around the sun. We're not going to stop the sun from burning. We're not going to stop the morning from coming or the night coming. We're not going to stop the rain. We're not going to stop the wind. We're not going to stop a bolt of lightning striking a certain spot. We're not going to do it. Some people look at that and go, well, my life's short. I don't care. It don't mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. That's how some people believe. Now, for those that have their faith in God, we tend to look at life a little bit more differently. It's not how 
short our life is. It's what we can do in that short life that matters. When we go and we talk to somebody about God, we're having an impact on this life. We're having an impact on another life. And that another life could have an impact on another person's life and so on and so on and so on. So for us, yes, life is is minuscule. But the impact of us sharing God's word, sharing his promises, sharing the blessings that he has in store for others, we have an impact. An impact that will continually grow. It will snowball because that is how powerful God's word is. Now, it's such an impressive thing to think about this. And I was sitting here reading this, and this part in this this lesson kind of stuck out to me because it's it's true. I, I let me read it. I think this is really good. God restrains His righteous wrath and extends His grace anew. The psalmist explains, exclaims. Who knows the power of your anger, implying that no one has ever experienced the full effect of God's anger against sin. And so, there is hope for people to repent and gain wisdom for righteous living. That that kind of blew my mind a little bit, reading that, and trying to understand that. No one on this planet has seen God's full anger towards sin, or what he's going to do against it. We haven't seen it yet. We know in Revelation it talks about exactly what's going to happen to sin and how the world's going to be changed. But not only does it talk about what God is going to do to destroy sin, it also talks about the new kingdom that is awaiting after the destruction of this evil. So yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about, you know, there's going to be a lot of brimstone and fire and all this, but it's making way for something that will stand the test of time. Because we just noticed time to God and time to us are two completely different things. God is eternal. Time has no impact on him. We are not eternal. We're mortal. Time has an impact on us. But God says that in the end of this, those that are saved will live new lives in new bodies, refreshed spirits, spirits that are no longer affected by pain, suffering, torment, crying, depression, none of that. He promises this. And as I mentioned before you know, on several podcasts, is that God keeps his promises. There's not one thing in the Bible that he has not said he would do and has not done. He has done everything he has said he will do. And if he says that there is a new kingdom coming and that we're all going to be reborn and refreshed and renewed, I believe it. And so should you. Our days are limited, brothers and sisters. We have a very small time on this planet. But you know what? When we stand in faith and obedience with God, 
We share his word. We do the things that he asks. We know in our hearts and our minds that God has a promise for us of a blessing that is so, so special that I can't wait for it. And I hope you are too. Now, the next lesson is the Lord's test. And this, I think, is something that a lot of us go through. A lot of us feel like we're being tested by God. We know Job went through some tests, went through some trials and tribulations. In fact, I talked about this at my last sermon. I talked about the trials that we all have to face, the the storms that we all have to go through and at times, not just to go through a storm because it's a bad situation, but because there has to be a change that is made in you. You're never the same, just like a beach in a storm is never the same after the storm passes through. It's different. It's changed. It's new. It's the same thing with us. We have to be tested. You know, in Meribah is the place where Israel tested God by challenging his faithfulness and power to provide for their needs. All right, it says, it was an intriguing reversal interprets the same event as the time when God tested Israel. So, the people in Meribah were doing some things that they shouldn't have been doing. But there were some that learned that they had to trust God and walk in His way. God tested them, and they failed. Obviously, they failed. But the thing that's beautiful about this, even though they failed, God was still there and rescued them in their times of trouble. God does this so many times of testing to show you what you can overcome, to show you that you can get through hard times. Because at the end, when you, you learn something about yourself, you learn something about who you are and what you can really do. This is something that we see throughout Scripture. God knew Job's faith in him. He knew that no matter what Satan did to Job, Job would be righteous in his, in his trust in God. Now, we know in Scripture, in Job, that Job cursed his life. He cursed his own birth. He cursed being conceived. Going through the stuff that he was going through, it was horrible. His wife, his friends, the people that knew him all told him, just confess, give in, just, you did something wrong. You know you did something wrong. Just confess it. But Job never did anything wrong. And yet, even through the times where Job knew he was still righteous, that he was righteous in God's eyes, that despite all this, he knew in his heart that God would see him through it. He held on to that. He holds deeply to that conviction that God will see him through. And not once did he ever curse God. Not once did he ever turn his back on God. Despite everybody saying it's easier for him to do that because they're tired of suffering because he's suffering. 
you know, how many of us have gone through situations like that where we're going through a trial and the people around us are tired of us going through that, that trial. They just want us to give in and give up and, you know, just to, to accept defeat and, you know, because they're being impacted by it. They're seeing it and they don't want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. A lot of us have gone through that. Now, God does purify and he does purge things at times. He does do a cleansing to show what is going to happen to sin, what's going to happen to the sinful that don't repent, that don't follow God's commandments or his laws and all that and don't walk in righteousness. We've seen that with Sodom and Gomorrah. Time after time, they were given opportunities to repent, to change, and they didn't. God gave them every opportunity, every opportunity. He didn't just do it just to go, okay, it's done, over with, that's it. No, he gave them a chance. And that is the one thing that I think a lot of us need to remember with when it comes to God. God will give you chance after chance because he wants you to see the light. He wants you to see what he has in store for you, the promises, the blessings, the gifts, the things that he wants you to have. He's going to be there. But as we've seen before, those that have been given chance after chance that deny, it never ends well for them. God has a promise for us. He has a big promise for us. But sometimes we have to be tested to see who we really are and where we need to fix things in our own lives. Now, as we have talked about before about sin, sin is very cunning. Sin is very alluring. Sin is, it's, it's a major threat to us. It's a threat to our relationship with God. It's a threat to us establishing a connection with God. Now, as humans, because of the fall, the, the thing that occurred in the garden, we've become stained, right? We have an issue. Our heart, as it says here, is inclined towards evil. Second, it practices evil deeds. And this is found in Psalms 141 verse 4 that speaks of this. Third, the heart eats of the delicacies of the wicked, namely accepts their evil practices something desirable. This is the, the scary thing about sin is that it makes you feel like you're not doing something evil by making sin pleasurable. It tickles your fancy. It makes you feel like you're, you're on cloud nine at times. That is the, the deceitfulness of sin because we all know the ugliness that sin is. Sin 
is progressive. It's alluring. It's cunning. These are all characters of its ability of temptation. And it underscores the only total dependency on the Lord can secure one's victory. The stress of the importance of the words that one speaks and listens to amid temptation, the end of both the wicked and the righteous should teach the people to seek wisdom from God. Yet in both Psalms, this is when Psalm 1 and Psalm 141, the final vindication of God's children remains in the future. This means that the believers are called to patiently trust God and to wait upon Him. It's telling us that despite all the things around us, there is salvation, there is hope, there is a promise at the end of it. And I keep saying it, but it's true. Sin wants you to look at the world as something different. Sin wants to distract you. It wants to keep you clouded and away from God. It doesn't want you to read God's word and hold on to God's promises. It wants you to doubt. It wants you to look at God and go, yeah, no, I'm good. It wants you to think that the world, when it's short span in your short life, it's more important for you to dive deep into sin and just to swim in it. To ignore God's promises. To ignore the things that God has planned for you. This is this is the power of sin. Sin is such a such a crafty, crafty thing that it has the ability to distract, to allure, and to make you confused about what is right and what is wrong. It goes after your your nature, your your heart. It makes your heart think that what it's getting is good. It's like it's like when you have a piece of candy. It's great. It's wonderful. It's good. It's so sweet. And then once it's over, you just want another one. Eventually, if you keep indulging in this candy, it's going to have dire effects on who you are. It's going to change who you are. You're going to be addicted to it. It's going to cause you to gain weight. It's going to cause you to lose your teeth. It's going to cause you to have high sugar counts in your blood. It's going to cause you to have organ failures. It's going to cause your mind to change. And that's what sin does. It tempts you with a little piece, saying, look how good this is. You're going to love this. And for those who try it, you may get a quick, exhilarating rush. But those rushes don't last long because the next piece you have doesn't have the same effect, so you've got to take a little bit more to get more of that rush, to feel what you felt the first time. Eventually, you're doing it so much, you're never going to get that rush again, but you're trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, and you're just going in this deep, dark hole. That's what sin does. That is what sin causes us to fall victim to. Now, for those of us that try to live a good life, that try to adhere to God, there are many blessings that are from this walk if we stay on it. God promises, like I said, there there are so many blessings in the end of this that after this world is gone, you know, imagine the things that he said. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more depression, none of this stuff. You know how nice that is? Have you ever been sad? 
had a broken bone, a scrape, you're never going to feel that again. And God's promise of this new kingdom that is coming, it's just that. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never have aches and pains. You're going to be able to enjoy what God truly wants of for all of us, the things that he, he made in their purest form. We're going to enjoy it. This is what it's like when we walk in God's light. We get a taste of that. We get, an, we get to feel that. I will admit that before coming to God, before finding my faith, I felt like there was a hole there that I was feeling it with all these things because I knew there was something missing. But no matter what I tried to fill it with, it never filled that hole the way it was supposed to. God, on the other hand, when you allow him to, to fill your heart, to fill that, that void in your life, you're going to find something that's just... It's great. You're going to find stability. You're going to find peace. You're going to find something that makes you feel new. It's, it's, you're fulfilled. And it's just this hope, this, this presence in your life that, you know, you feel a connection being restored. And, you know, this is what God is trying to do in this world. He is trying to restore all of us and to bring us closer to him. You know, here the New Testament describes the fulfillment of that hope. In Christ's second advent and the creation of the new world. Therefore, while the righteous receive many blessings in this life, the fullness of God's favor awaits them when God's kingdom is fully restored at the end. If we put our trust, our faith, our heart, our lives, everything in, in the Lord, man, the, the changes, the things that are there, the blessings that he has awaiting for us, it's just, I don't know how anybody can deny that. I, can, I just, I don't understand how somebody can walk away from something like that. I'm looking forward to that fulfillment of God's promise. I'm looking forward to that second kingdom that new kingdom, that, that kingdom of God, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being able to enjoy that. I'm, I'm just, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I, I seriously hope, brothers and sisters out there, that those that are listening, that you make that decision to follow God today, that you make that decision to walk in God's light and to be righteous before him by following his word living his commandments and accepting him in your life and allowing him to be a part of you so that you can stand against the temptations of this world and that you can stand upright and say, God, I await your new kingdom. I await your son. And I cannot wait for the fulfillment of the promises you have made throughout time that we will be with you again and that we will walk amongst you. Lord, we can't wait for that. I cannot wait for that. I, I seriously hope, brothers and sisters, you can either.
But I want to thank you for listening this week, and I hope you all have learned something and made a choice today to walk in that righteous light of the Lord and to to live his commandments and to live his word, Lord. We all need to do it. I know I need to. I, I struggle, but I, I pray every day that God helps me stand up and helps me walk forward in righteousness, and I hope you do too. With that, we're going to head and close today's podcast, and I hope you stay tuned to next week as we continue this lesson in Psalms. And with that, please bow your heads. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come, to listen, to experience your word, and to be a part of you, and to ask for you to be with us and help us walk in righteousness, to walk in your light, to walk in obedience, to follow your law, to follow your commandments, to adopt them upon our hearts and minds, and that you be our, our, our armor against this world, that your Holy Spirit fill us so that we can withstand the temptations in this world, Lord. We thank you and we look forward to the promise of the, your second coming and the new kingdom that is on the verge of being here, Lord. We thank you. We look forward to it. Lord, please be with us as we go through our trials and tribulations that we become purged of our immorality and our sin and that we become new, new beings. Lord, thank you. We ask forgiveness of our sins. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.